0: All right, now
1: it's Friday. Are we there? there we go. are. Hi, everybody. <laughs> this is Beena Jones Cox. We were having a little trouble with the with the microphone cord here, as it turned out. But you're in the right place. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where your public radio source for the information and inspiration that you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And we're talking today about a, a very important piece of that, and that is investing in real estate for your retirement. Now, everybody knows that that's an important piece of it. Like most people, the reason they invest in real estate is because they are looking forward to a, really prosperous retirement instead of the kind of retirement that most people have where they end up making a lot less in retirement than they do during their working years. And a lot of people also know that a really good way to um, make that retirement bigger and better is to invest in real estate and real estate related assets like notes and so on. Uh, through a tax-free or tax-deferred entity like an IRA or 401k and there's just an enormous amount of talk about that out like if you have ever attended a RIA meeting in anywhere in the country I'm talking about you've probably heard somebody say something about doing IRA deals or doing deals with somebody else's IRA where it's, it's somebody else's retirement plan who's funding a deal for you and the IRA's making money and you're making money but the level of um, the level of non-understanding about how that works <laughs> is also huge. It's like everybody knows it, everybody knows it's a good thing, everybody's heard of it. But then when you get down to kind of the nitty-gritty details, there doesn't seem—I I just hear—I hear a lot of stuff that that is not true. I hear people, I hear people discussing it with each other and saying a lot of things that at best are not true and at worst could get you into trouble with the irs which is somebody you don't want to have trouble with so on today's show what we are going to do is we are going to take your questions about self-directed iras 401ks uh, health savings accounts CSAs, all the different self-directed plans that you have heard of and maybe already know you can get and we want your dumbest questions like if you're sitting there, if you're sitting there think, if you're sitting there going, I'm sure everybody else in the world knows this, but I don't even know how you open an IRA, you know, stuff like that. Because if you've got the question, so does everybody else on the planet, and we want you to call in. We want you to. <laughs> Maybe I should use a, another microphone. Well, it went out all by itself. That. <laughs> Are we? Nope. Still not. Let's wheel this one around. Yeah, let's try another mic. All right. Hello. This is live radio, folks. <laughs> Got it. Uh, it right I don't know. All right. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? You can hear me. That's interesting because I can't hear me, but that that that'll be okay, I guess. Um, except I I also need to hear my guest all right so there we go so now that so now that cord has a problem (laughs) so when fun drive comes up in a couple of weeks folks (laughs) please open your wallets and donate to the station so that the microphone cords can be replaced uh so anyway we're taking your questions uh we're doing that at 877-772-9658 if you'd like to call in and get a direct answer we're also going to take them via email. The email address is askvena at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. Uh, I sent out a, an email ahead of the show, and I do have quite a few questions from listeners already, but uh, we'd love to answer yours at, as well at 877-772-9658 or at askvena at gmail.com. Now, you might be saying, man, Vina's now been talking sometimes with a microphone and sometimes not for 10 minutes and she keeps saying we are going to answer your questions has she become the royal we what is happening here uh nope uh on the line i have one of my go-to folks for all ira uh, 401k type questions he's the the guy that when i have a question i always bounce it off of him because uh he knows a lot of stuff an awful lot of stuff he is an experienced IRA investment investor himself he is also the sales supervisor and equity trust national education specialist which means he works for what is probably the largest uh, custodian of self-directed IRAs that that also has this real estate expertise like equity trust works with a lot of real estate investors And uh, I understand that uh, with the rest of the business development team, they have taken equity trust to somewhere north of $20 billion in plan assets, which that means there's $20 billion sitting just at that company that could be invested in real estate by you, maybe. His name is John Bowens, and he's joining us by phone from somewhere in northeastern Ohio. Uh, John, welcome to Equity Trust. Company, or welcome to Equity Trust. Good. See this whole microphone thing; it's completely throwing me off. <laughs> welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
2: I am here, Vina. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for having me once again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on and to uh, answer questions and share some of the knowledge that I've picked up over the last ten years and to ultimately help teach folks how to potentially utilize an IRA or other self directed account like you said HSA or CISA to invest in real estate. So I am here and at your disposal and happy to answer any questions you guys have.
1: And we have I, I bet I bet I'm already sitting here looking at ten or eleven questions. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get 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 on these and then uh, once again, remind people that you didn't miss your chance by not sending in before the show, askvina at gmail.com or 877-772-9658. So I I don't think there's going to be anything here that you can't answer, John, because I bet somebody has already asked you these questions at some time during the time that you've been with equity trust. Uh, But let me, let me say to listeners that John, John is an attorney Equity Trust does not give out investment advice. So, if you're going to, if you want to ask a question like, well, should I make this investment? That's probably, we're going to refer you elsewhere for that. But your basic questions are all good things. Okay. So, uh, here's our first question, John. My understanding is I can only contribute six or $7,000 to any IRA in any given year. If that's true, how can I invest that in real estate? It would take me years to gather up enough money to actually make an investment.
2: Oh, great. That That's one of the most common questions. And we've had a number of folks here at Equity Trust Company that, and you included, of course, Vina, that has sort of dispelled that myth. Uh, and, and that's a very common myth, that I don't have enough money to invest in real estate. Um, I just have enough to make a contribution to an IRA, which they are correct in that you're limited to contributing out of pocket to an IRA $6,000 when you're under the age of 50 and then $7,000 when 50 and over. Now, there's some options. Of course, the first option would be if someone has other IRAs or 401ks or 403bs or other retirement accounts, they could potentially access those monies, providing they're eligible to move the money over and move that money into a self-directed IRA. But let's make the assumption for the purpose of answering this question that it's someone just looking to make a first-time contribution never had an ira they're putting six or seven thousand dollars in it and guess what they don't necessarily need to put that full six or seven thousand dollars i've seen enough folks out there that have put a thousand or two thousand or three thousand dollars in the ira because here's the thing is there's no limitations on growth within the ira so as long as you're following all the rules you're doing everything proper you could potentially organically grow that IRA in a very short period of time. And I've seen clients take $1,000, $2,000 IRAs and grow them to $20,000, $30,000, dollars $50,000 in just one year's time. Um, and a good example of this is I have a client that used his three children's covered L Education Savings Accounts. Now, a little different than IRAs, but from an investment perspective, it's all relative. So, this investor set up three covered education savings accounts, one for each one of his children. And he combined in all the three accounts, had about $10,000. And what he did is he went out and bought a vacant property for $8,000, partnering the three covered education savings accounts. He sold the vacant lot to a developer for $60,000. He netted a $50,000 tax free profit. And twenty-five thousand went into CISA number one, twelve-five went into CISA two, twelve-five went into CISA three. So combined, he generated fifty thousand dollars in tax-free income for his children's education, and he can use that for K through twelve education or higher education. The same thing could be done with an IRA, Roth IRA, traditional IRA. Doesn't make a difference. It, it's all relative.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think where people get um confused about, about how, how, how does it do me any good to have something that it's going to take me 10 years to get enough money in it to buy a property is they, they don't, they, they're thinking strictly of, I'm going to buy a rental and I'm going to pay cash. And the reality is your, your IRA and even to a greater extent, your 401k is allowed to have financing just like just like you are <laughs> they're, 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 mm-hmm. if you had if you had three thousand dollars and you could find somebody who was willing to give a non-recourse loan to your IRA you could borrow the rest of the money your IRA could borrow the rest of the money
2: or even better yet Dina you could structure it as a joint venture so I'll give you a scenario let's say you're gonna take down a fifty thousand dollar property all in purchase and rehab and you come in with $2,000 with your Roth IRA. And let's say I come in with $48,000. So I'm going to be the money partner in this hypothetical scenario. So I come in with $48,000. You put in your $2,000 Roth. And per our joint venture agreement, so we're going to have an attorney. Of course, I'm, I appreciate you saying that, Nina, that equity trust. And I am not an attorney or a legal professional. Ultimately, one would want to go to their own legal professional. So one would go to their legal professional and get a joint venture agreement or get documentation for this type of transaction. But following along in the scenario, $50,000 all-in purchase and rehab, $2,000 with your Roth being $48,000 of my money, and then let's say we negotiate a 50-50 split after the sale of the property. And let's say we sell the property and we make a $30,000 net profit. So your Roth IRA investment that had $2,000 in the deal just made $15,000 tax-free. And then I, as your private money investor, if you will, as a partner in the deal, I get the other $15,000 in profit. So I invested 48000 and I made $15,000. That's close to a 30% ROI. And you made on your $2,000 investment $15,000 tax-free. So now you got $17,000 loaded in that Roth IRA, ready to be deployed for another transaction. And then at that point, it's just rinse, repeat, reload, and reinvest in another deal.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that I, I just should bring this up, the reason that you're suggesting make the, making the person with $48,000 a partner instead of a lender is if your IRA borrows money, there are tax consequences to your IRA.
2: That is correct. If the IRA is encumbered by debt, then the IRA will likely be subject to a special tax called unrelated debt financed income tax. It's a special tax on IRAs when, again, encumbered by debt. It's actually sort of an offshoot of unrelated business income tax, which is Section 511 to 514 of the Internal Revenue Code. But ultimately, investors try to mitigate that tax by structuring the transaction as maybe a joint venture. But, you know, in some instances, it might actually make sense to pay a little bit of tax in order to make X amount in return. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, John, we need to take a quick break. I want to remind listeners again, this is IRA 401k, self-directed IRA 401k, uh, Coverdell Education Savings Account HSA question and answer week with John Bowens from Equity Trust Company. So, uh, any anything that's been bugging you, maybe you've heard two different things from two different people and you want to get that straightened out, this is the day to call 877-772-9658 or send it as an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is John Bowens from Equity Trust Company uh, we're answering questions about self-directed IRAs and other self-directed retirement plans as they relate to investing in real estate and real estate-related assets. We just thought we needed to do a show where people could just get all the questions out there because there's there there's tons of them. And in fact, John, I know you guys do fairly regular classes to try and like mm-hmm. put put it all together for people in in a relatively short period of time. Uh, There is actually an opportunity. I want to make sure that this is up on our website. There's an opportunity for listeners to go to uh, a class that y'all haven't actually taught before because it's two days. It's uh, one day Mm -hmm. with you and one day with John Heyer, who's been a guest here on the show many times. And he is the attorney. So the folks the folks yep. the folks who have the legal questions they got him for the second day. He works with a lot of clients who have IRAs and he knows what can go wrong with them and what can go right with them. And then day 1 you're going to kind of go over all the these are the plans that are available, these are how you qualify for them, these this is how this is how you do deals. And I think you're going to give examples of especially creative kinds of deals that people have done in who are mm-hmm. your, who are your that, clients?
2: That's correct. So you know, the idea is between John Heyer and I is I'm, I'm sort of the custodian. I'm the financial services company and representing the financial services company that can provide the vehicle. And that vehicle can be a traditional IRA. It can be a Roth IRA. It could be a covered education savings account. It could be an HSA. It could be a solo 401k. There are these different tax advantaged investment accounts. And, and the beauty of all of this, of course, is when investing and doing it properly, particularly in real estate, as we're talking about here, in a tax-advantaged IRA or solo 401k or other account that we talk about, there are these unique tax benefits. And so what you can do is you can leverage what I call compounding interest in the absence of taxation. That's kind of one of the key things to this class when we teach it is is talking about compounding interest in the absence of taxation. And when you have those vehicles and and then you're driving those vehicles to your ultimate destination, which can be you know a better retirement it could be maybe leave a legacy for your your children or grandchildren you know everyone has a little bit different destination putting the gas in the vehicle is all about the investments the investment strategies so whether it's buy and hold fix and flip wholesale real estate options buying on seller financing selling on seller financing buying a land contract selling a land contract buying land contracts buying existing performing or non performing notes those are all things that we're going to talk about in that class. And one of the things that really excites me about the two-day class, and John and I have done sessions like this together, is John comes from that that tax attorney, um, tax audit type background, and he can really start to layer on, okay, if you're going to use your IRA and you're going to be driving these very powerful horsepower-driven vehicles, you got to make sure that you're doing it the right way because – There are rules and there are things that we have to abide by. Going back to that joint venture example that I mentioned before, one of the things that John's going to talk about is unrelated business income tax and unrelated debt finance income tax and how that may or may not apply and and how you can mitigate the liability that you you could potentially put yourself in if you were doing things the wrong way. So it's going to be, I think, a really exciting class, and it's, I think, going to allow people to learn in a comfortable environment and how they can actually make investments with the self-directed IRA and do it in a tax-advantaged way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these classes are sponsored by Cincinnati REA, which is the local nonprofit real estate investors association here in town. And uh, what I what I keep having to tell people, is that people keep saying, "Oh my gosh, that you know, I, I I that's too advanced for me." And I say, "That's why you need to go to the class because <laughs> they actually they actually break it down." To where, you know, okay, step one is open an IRA, and here's how you do that. And step two is go find a deal, and here's the kind of deals you could find. So uh, folks who are interested in learning more about that can go to our website at realliferealestate.com, realliferealestate.com. And there's a banner up at the top, and you can click it and get an agenda and all that stuff. Uh, Let's go to line one and talk to Dan, who's calling from Cincinnati. Dan, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Hi, Dan.
0: So um, my question being, as the owner of a self-directed IRA, if I were interested in offering those funds to a real estate investor, not myself, what might I expect or how might I make those connections? Would it be through the local RIA or what?
1: That is a fantastic question, Dan. Seriously, because... That i run into lenders all the time who the way they made the connection was that they just sort of ran into some dude who wanted some money and they didn't really well they didn't really know how to go about pr- protecting the money right what, what what paperwork do we need what documents do we need how do i know you're for real <laughs> all of that sort of thing so i really appreciate you answering asking that question and i'm going to let john answer it <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Vina, and and you know, Dan, the, the way that I'll, I'll answer that question is to, to start with, you know, how do you find how do you find potential borrowers? Um, networking is is a critical part to that, and um, real estate investor associations and meetup groups and networking groups can be a great environment to identify those types of opportunities. And ultimately, what you're trying to do is you're trying to find. Asset, asset-worthy loan opportunity. So you're trying to find properties that you can lend on and secure your money by. Um, I have experience with this lending my own self-directed investment account, uh, traditional and Roth, in fact. And one of the things that that I've done is is partnered with with a really solid real estate attorney on the front end to make sure that. I draft my promissory note properly, I draft my mortgage or deed of, tr- or deed of trust properly, depending on where I'm lending, what state I'm lending in, and I'm going through the full cycle of the loan process and making sure that I perform all the due diligence necessary on the property that I'm lending on and the individual that I'm lending the money to. So, if I'm lending money to an investor, I want to make sure, number one, that they have a LLC and that that LLC is in good standing. I want to make sure that when the loan documents are prepared, that the loan is between my self-directed account and that borrower's LLC. Um, I may want to get a personal guarantee from the manager of the LLC that I'm lending to. And uh, most importantly, I want to make sure that the mortgage is filed with the county recorder. I want to make sure that I have the mortgage filed with the county recorder so in the event that there is a default, my recourse is going to be that property. And so now I can hire my attorney and say, okay, we need to foreclose, or maybe we take the, pop- the property back even in a foreclosure. So, you know, certainly great opportunities to get out there and network amongst other like-minded investors to find deals. And then from there, it's a matter of, you know, having a good attorney that can help you with the, the loan documents, underwrite the loan, and, and ultimately deploy your capital for the investment and determine what the negotiated interest rate is going to be. Is it gonna be three points and twelve percent? Is it gonna be flat fourteen percent per annum with a guaranteed eight percent in the first six months? So there's different ways that you can structure that paper and a good attorney can help you through that process, especially on the first go around.
1: And and let me let me add, Dan, do not be a motivated lender. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really really look at really look at the deal, really look at the borrower. Uh, because you know, a lot, there's 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 people out there who, who they talk a good game, but the reality is they're not very good at what they do. Uh, there's actually people out there who have, prey on private lenders, who don't know what they're doing. So I think that the the ultimate the ultimate thing is always: if I had to take back this asset, if my IRA had to take back this asset, would I be happy or sad? And if the answer is, that would be okay. And also, you've checked out the borrower, and they have a good history, and all of that kind of stuff. Then that that's probably a good uh, loan to make. Just don't you know, don't jump in as soon as somebody says, "Well, I'll give you sixteen percent interest," because I guarantee you, the guy who's offering you sixteen percent interest is doing it because he has burned all of his other private lenders, and they won't lend him any money anymore.
0: So um, earlier, you had mentioned uh, a deal where uh, there was partnering. And a splitting of the profit is—is um, is that something that is relatively commonly done, as as opposed to a direct interest rate?
1: I'd say I'd say um, it's not as commonly done, but it's because it's not as well known. It's not that there's okay. anything wrong with it; it's it, not as many people know about it. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly it's certainly something you could offer up. And if it if it turns out to be like kind of six of one, half dozen of the other, like I'm kind of paying you the same amount, whether it's pay out of, of, of the partnership at the end or whether it's a, an interest rate you know from, from my perspective as the person who wants the money I don't really care which one it is
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it sounds like the first thing to do is start networking with the people who would be interesting and then speaking to an attorney about getting the ducks in a row
1: yeah for sure there, there, are, there are members of Cincinnati RIA who are only members because they are lenders yeah like I have that- heard you say that before <laughs> Yeah, because that, that's that's where they can go and you know meet people, observe them in their native habitat, find out find out what kind of reputations they have. Uh, you know, the folks who get up in front of the room and say, "Hey, I I, I did this deal last month," and you know, it gives you some idea of the kind of thing that they do. So, yeah, those those are great networking opportunities.
0: Okay, well, thank you, folks.
1: Uh, thank you very we much. Always really
0: appreciate your program.
1: Thanks for your call, Dan. I'll see you at a Cincinnati area meeting in the future. All right. Yep. All right, um, Mike. What do you think? Do we need to take a break, or Let's take one in five minutes. we'll take one in five minutes? Good, because I have so many questions here; it's insane. All right. So um, uh, here's a question for you that came in uh, via email, John. It says, I have an old 401k from a, pl- a prior employer and I don't even know what it's invested in. How can I go about investing it in real estate?
2: Mm-hmm. Very simple. So it's good to know that the account is of the previous employer because there's a the current employer. Seldom can you roll it over to an IRA. But because it's a previous employer, it's a simple three step process. Step one would be to open a self directed IRA step two would be to direct a rollover so they would call their current plan administrator it's okay if they don't know what it's invested in it's likely invested in a mutual fund lineup but they would call their plan administrator essentially whatever toll-free number is on their account statement or if they don't have an account statement but they know the company's name they would just call into the company and they could retrieve their information over the phone and then at that point they would direct a rollover So the plan administrator will actually cut a check made payable to their self-directed IRA because that's already established, and that check is mailed to their custodian for deposit. So let's say it's $50,000, so that administrator is going to write a check for $50,000 to the IRA, and that's going to be a direct rollover. So moving the money over from that 401k into a self-directed IRA has no tax consequences or penalties. And then at that point, it's step three, which is direct their funds. So if they want to buy a rental property or they want to do a fix and flip deal or they want to make a loan secured by a property that another real estate investor is maybe flipping like Dan was talking about or maybe doing a JV deal, basically what they're going to do is provide the direction to the custodian. In this case, let's say it's equity trust and then equity trust will wire transfer the funds out for the investment. And of course, when that IRA is making an investment, this is a very critical component to all of this. When that IRA account is making the investment, it's not distributing money and paying taxes and penalties. It's not a loan to the investor for the investor to then buy a property. That's a that's a common mistake folks make. It's an actual investment. So the IRA is buying the property. The IRA is sending the money out to that property purchase. No taxes or penalties. The IRA is making the loan. The IRA is holding a promissory note mortgage or deed of trust. Or the IRA is investing in the, let's say, joint venture project. So that's essentially the process to roll money over and make an investment.
1: Very good. We have a we have another 401k related question that I'm going to jump forward since we're we're talking about this. Um, I have an old IRA account from a job that I left over a decade ago. Can I roll it over into a self-directed 401k? There's quite a lot of money in it, so please say yes.
2: If it's a tax-deductible account, all tax-deferred money, there'd be no issues. Um, The money could be rolled over into a solo 401k. Um, The one thing that the investor would need to be aware of is eligibility rules for a solo 401k. So if one wants to establish a solo 401k, there's a couple prerequisites. Number one, they have to have eligible active earned income in a business entity that's sponsoring the plan that business entity could be a self-employed individual it could be an llc corporation s corp etc doesn't necessarily have to be a corporation could just be a self-employed individual but that individual must be claiming active earned income meaning income that they're paying medicare and social security tax on so self-employment income tax and of course ordinary income taxes in other words They have to be filing a Schedule C, typically, and a Schedule SE, self-employment, and actually paying that tax. One of the most common mistakes, and John Heyer and I have talked about this for quite a few years now, one of the most common mistakes investors will make is they'll say, oh, well, I don't actually have to have any earned income to have a solo 401k. I just have to have the intent to have earned income. And the tax code, I, I believe, argues otherwise. So one would just want to make sure that they're eligible to have a solo 401k. Uh, The other prerequisite is that one does not have any employees at all, with the exception of a spouse. So for a solo 401k, you cannot have any employees. If one was to have employees, they might have to look at a multi-participant self-directed 401k, which that could certainly be accomplished as well.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So he can, he can roll it over, but first he's got to look at what the requirements are to have the so, the solo or self directed 401k. All right. Uh, we need that's to, take, we need to take a quick break. We're going to get to as many of your questions as possible after that break. So hold tight. And if you, if there, if you still have one that's bothering you, give us a call at 877 772 9658 or send it to askvina at gmail.com welcome back to real life real estate investing tackling the topic of investing in real estate in your retirement plan so tax-free but also locked up in that retirement plan uh doing this with john bowens who is an equity trust national education specialist and also an ira investor himself we're getting some great questions here john uh, here's one from Harold. Can I open up a self directed IRA at 72 years old and how much money can I put in?
2: Um, you can. You have to make sure you open up the right type of plan. Um, for someone that is 70 and a half and older, uh, they would not be able to contribute to a traditional IRA. However, as long as one has earned income, they could open up a Roth IRA and make a contribution up to seven thousand dollars so anyone over the age of 50 can contribute up to seven thousand dollars to a roth ira so harold would want to look into most likely a roth ira possibly a roth solo 401k Uh, harold would want to make sure that he teams up with his cpa or accountants to ensure that he is claiming active earned income Uh, just like the solo 401k gotta have active earned income so income that one is paying ordinary income taxes on as well as payroll taxes which would be, of course, Medicare and Social Security.
1: And he has a follow-up question, which is, is there a limit on how many deals I can do a year in an IRA?
2: Oh, that's a fantastic question. So the, the first thing to understand is that you have to segregate what types of deals you're doing. So there's deals that are producing short-term income. So if you buy a property, you sell it within 12 months, that's short-term gains. If you get a property under contract and you sell the contract, so if you're doing like paper flips or wholesale transactions, and that's occurring within 12 months, that's going to be short-term gains. So short-term gains is looked at differently in an IRA compared to a passive investment like a rental property, or if you make a loan secured by real estate and you have interest income coming back in, that's all passive income. So there is no hard and fast rule on how many short-term flips you can do. The industry has stated that the rule of thumb for a short-term flip, so buy, fix, and sell within 12 months, or if you're doing like a wholesale paper flip type transaction, the industry is saying you wouldn't want to do more than two of those a year. And the reason why is because if you did more than two, you could subject your IRA to a special tax called unrelated business income tax. And it's a special tax on IRAs and nonprofit entities when they're engaging in an ongoing trade or business that's not substantially related to the primary purpose of the tax-exempt entity. The government, going all the way back to the 50s, there was a famous case on this, basically is stating that the ira could have an unfair advantage over its commercial tax paying counterparts but again, rentals loans secured by real estate that's all passive income so conceivably one could have as many rentals or as many loans secured by real estate in their ira on an annual basis but the short-term flips one would want to limit that to two
1: Interesting. Okay. Uh, so here's another question that I, I, I know you get it all the time, because I hear it all the time. Uh, this one is from Matthew. He says, can I use my self-directed IRA to do my own deals like rehabs or buy and holds?
2: Well, in the, in the context of taking existing properties that he has, and putting him in his ira or if he has a current property that's under rehab and he wants his ira to come in and fund the remaining amount that's needed for the rehab those would all be considered prohibited transactions and if the ira engages in a prohibited transaction then the ira is disqualified the ira becomes distributed january 1 in the year in which that transaction occurred and the way prohibited transactions occur is when someone is using their IRA and transacting with a disqualified person. Disqualified persons would include the account holder to themselves, so Matt to himself, Matt's business entities to his IRA would be considered a disqualified person. So Matt would not be able to take any existing properties, but if Matt has a business model of, let's say, buying rental properties or flipping houses, and he wants to have his IRA go out and buy a house, and pay contractors to do all the work for the, on the property so matt's not going to be paying his own business entity or himself personally or really for all intents and purposes anyone in his immediate family his ira buys the property his ira is paying a third party to do all the work and then his ira sells the property for a profit all of that for the most part should be above board because it's all arm's length if you will uh, matt just would want to make sure that he's not using his, his own business entity or himself personally to actually do the physical work on the property. And that's something important to understand with IRAs is when your IRA owns a rental property, or IRA is fixing and flipping properties, you personally cannot do the hands-on work. You can't do the sweat equity. The rule of thumb that's used is you can do the desk work, but you can't do the sweat equity on your IRA-owned properties.
1: OK, well, that actually, as, as you were saying this, I saw two other kind of related questions that are one. I saw one and then I just saw another one based on what you just said. So uh, let's tackle these. Uh, this one is from Karen in Greenville. She says, I have read that I can't borrow money from my husband's parents or kids accounts for my own real estate deals, but I can't find anything that addresses other relatives like my aunts, uncles, brothers and sisters. Does this mean that I can do deals in partnership with their IRAs?
2: That's a great question. So, and what she's talking about is who are disqualified persons to the IRA? So under 49.75 of the Internal Revenue Code, disqualified persons would include essentially anyone up and down the family tree. So parents, grandparents, children, grandchildren, spouses, the account owner to their IRA, and any business entity to their IRA. Those are all considered disqualified persons, but folks across the family tree, brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles, nieces, nephews, those are not considered disqualified persons. Now, of course, one would want to make sure that they're careful if their IRA is going to transact business with those individuals. Uh, But under the guidelines of the Internal Revenue Code, those people across the family tree are not considered disqualified persons. Now, that leads us to the concept of partnering the IRA with a disqualified person. So, The one thing that can potentially be explored—now, you'd have to go about this carefully and with caution, but I've seen a number, I've seen hundreds of investors across the country do this—a disqualified person can actually partner with their IRA. Let me give you an example. So up here in Cleveland, Ohio, um, I know an investor very well. His name's Gary. And Gary bought a property for around $41,000. There's a fix-and-flip transaction. He bought a property for $41,000. And he partnered on buying that property and rehabbing the property, 75-25. 75% of the property was owned by his IRA, his Roth IRA, and the other 25% was owned by his LLC. So if you looked at the title to the property, the deed to the property, it read equity, trust company, custodian, FBO, Gary's Roth IRA, undivided interest, 75%, and Gary's LLC, undivided interest, 25%. And so all profits and all expenses just flowed seventy-five twenty-five. So if everything is done proportionally, one w- could not be considered to be in violation because they're not actually transacting between the IRA and the disqualified person. So again, disqualified persons can potentially partner with one another, providing they're doing everything properly. Uh, they just couldn't have a disproportionate profit or payment of expenses.
1: So now I have a question. In that scenario you just you just mentioned, since Gary Gary's LLC is the 25% owner of that property, can he now be involved in the rehab?
2: That's a good question. So he would not be able to be involved in the rehab. So even though he owns 25%, there wouldn't be a justification for, well, I'm just going to do 25% of the work. Ultimately, that's not a hard and fast rule. It's not like the IRS or the government says, no, you absolutely can't. We just know that to proceed with caution and to mitigate one's risk, they wouldn't want to personally be hands-on on on that property. So, again, that goes back to doing the desk work, not doing the sweat equity.
1: Okay. Uh, We have a question here about excess contributions. This is from Barry. He says, if I don't have enough money in my equity trust Roth IRA to buy a house, but I could put about, say, $10,000 in my account to cover the cost of the purchase could i do that given that it is more than the annual contribution that i'm allowed to make
2: well no one's going to stop barry from doing that per se what happens if you make an excess contribution under the internal revenue code and as the irs interprets that for us and provides direction there's a six percent excise tax on the amount that was contributed the over contribution so let's say using his figure let's say he over-contributed $10,000, he would pay a 6% penalty on that $10,000 year over year over year until he distributes that money. So conceivably, he could do that, but that could also create some ineligibility of that asset in the plan and possibly some prohibitions. So long story short is that certainly wouldn't be something that we would permit um, as a custodian, per se, Uh, we wouldn't permit someone to do something that, you know, they knowingly shouldn't be doing in their retirement plan. Uh, What one would want to do in that case, what Barry might want to look at, look into doing, is finding a money partner, finding another investor to partner with, do a joint venture. uh, Could potentially be a private loan. Of course, Barry would have to be aware of that unrelated debt finance income tax that we talked about. But maybe Barry goes outside of making an excess contribution to a third-party investor.
1: Barry has a second part to his question that I'm gonna be very interested to see how you respond to because the, the, the risk with if you if you have if you have a hundred thousand in your IRA and you're gonna buy a hundred thousand dollar rental property with it, great, fine, you've got all the money, that's cool. But we all know that as soon as you put a rental property into service, the tenant finds three thousand dollars worth of repairs that you didn't know about <laughs> until they moved in and started actually running the water and using the electricity. So if he had an an expense that came up as part of the management of the IRA and the IRA didn't have the money to cover it, then can he contribute additional money with the argument that this was necessary to protect the asset of the IRA?
2: Um, it, it is possible. So, it, it, the best way to explain it is you have to make you have to demonstrate that you're exhausting all of your resources before you take to extreme measures. So the first line of defense would be if one is eligible to make a contribution for that year, which would be 6 thousand one under50 and 7150 and over. So let's say someone exhausts that. They've made their full contribution, they still need more for rehab or still need more for an expense. So then they would need to move on to trying to find a private investor. Now, let's say they've exhausted that resource. They can't find a private investor. Well, now what they could potentially leverage is a special private letter ruling. And uh, it's the 80-26 private letter ruling. And basically what this private letter ruling says, and you you have to demonstrate that this ultimately is a a, a last possible uh, resource, if you will, for you. Uh, But what this says is that you can do a short-term loan personally so one personally Barry personally would actually basically write a check to his ira and his ira would write checks for the expenses and it has to be an interest-free loan and there's no set definitive when it has to be paid back but a lot of folks that i've talked to have made the statement that it should be paid back within five years so outside of this private letter ruling this 80-26 you cannot do a loan to your IRA. It's a prohibited transaction. But under the special private letter ruling to what they call it, maintain the integrity of the IRA, one could potentially actually bail out their IRA in order to maintain that tax treatment. And then ultimately, the money would have to be paid back to the cell. And then at that point, the IRA moves on.
1: Nice. Okay. So here's a Here's a question from Sean that I'm going to uh, read just because I think other people might be in the same situation. He says, I keep getting tied up in meetings and missing the first part of your radio show. Can I hear the hour somewhere else after the fact? (laughs) Um, The answer is yes. Uh, RealLifeRealEstate.com is our website. We have all of the shows that we've done over the last, I don't know, five, six years uh, up, including several others with John, where he is more addressing just like the the, these are the plans, these are how you qualify for them, et cetera. So if you go there and you search for John Bowens' name, uh, you can not only hear this show, but also several others uh, on the same on the same topic, tackling it in a little bit different way. Also notice when you were there, the banner at the top about the workshop that John is doing with uh, attorney John Heyer, sponsored by Cincinnati RIA. Uh, there are two dates for that workshop, June 8th and 9th, and June 22nd and 23rd you can really sit and kind of learn this stuff and also ask questions as they come up for you at that workshop. Uh, so you might want to might want to check that out. It's probably worth a trip if you're coming from out of town to go to uh, either one of those two workshops. Uh, John, we only have about two minutes left and this question is so good, I just have to ask it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's say that I found a property in a warmer area than where I live right now, and that I would like to have my IRA buy that property and use it as a, an Airbnb. Would it be possible that after I have turned 70 and a half, I could take the property out of my IRA and live in it? I'm cringing
2: a little (laughs) bit. um, But what what I'll say is it's, it's possible. Um, There is a, statement that was made um, by the IRS that says, if you buy a property, you can't use it for personal benefit, current or future,
0: mm. which
2: means even if you took a distribution, let's say after seven and a half, because you said, okay, well, I'm going to take a distribution. And now I'm going to live at it personally. There could still potentially be some concerns there. That being said, if it was in a traditional IRA and one took a distribution of a property, let's say it was valued at $200,000, and they paid taxes on $200,000, now it becomes their property. they paid the taxes. The property deeded from their IRA to their name personally. So really at that point, it's their asset, and they can do whatever it is that they want to do with it. They can continue to rent it out, continue to Airbnb it, or they could, of course, you know, maybe live in it themselves personally or treat it like a vacation rental, spend a few weeks there, and for the rest of the year rent it out. What they certainly don't want to do is, while their IRA has title to that property, while it's in the IRA, they don't want to be spending any time there personally. They don't even want to stay there one night because that could be considered a personal benefit under 49.75, a prohibited transaction.
1: Hmm. So uh, sorry about that, Sarah. That is probably not going to work, but it was a clever idea. But we have a lot of clever ideas about using IRAs that often uh, turn out that the IRS has already figured it out and addressed it. So another reason to get some education. John, appreciate you being here today. We we literally got through less than half of the questions that people ask. So clearly there is a a huge need and a huge uh, interest in this topic, as there should be. It's a it's a great topic. Uh, might have to have you on again a little bit later on, and definitely want to encourage people to go to Real Life Real Estate and check out the two-day seminar. So thank you very much, John, and thanks to all the listeners who sent in questions. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.